Hi, I'm Juliette Root, and welcome to The Juliette Root Show. I'm a board-certified nutritionist, integrative health coach, and master personal trainer. Join me as I interview thought leaders, educators, and health practitioners. Together, we will dive deep into subjects like psychology, science, spirituality, and human optimization. Please subscribe to The Juliette Root Show, and don't forget to rate and review the podcast. To connect with me on a deeper level, follow my Instagram at Juliet underscore root and visit my website, julietroot.com. Remember, information isn't transformation. So get out there and start taking action. Welcome everyone to the Juliet Root Show. I'm your host, Juliet Root. And today I have Albert Flynn DeSilver. Albert is an award-winning, internationally published writer, speaker, and workshop leader, known for merging the art of creative writing with the practice of mindfulness meditation. Albert's work has appeared in more than 100 literary journals worldwide. He is the founder of the Brilliant Writers Online Writing School and the author of Beamish Boy, a memoir of recovery and awakening. And I'm very, very pleased and excited to introduce to you guys, Albert. Welcome to the show. Juliet, delighted to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I was really moved by what you're doing to support people and uh, we'll just jump right in. But you seem to have found writing as this way to connect with your more authentic self, a way of transformation, a way to move away from addicting behaviors and a more peaceful, connected life. And I'm curious how did you come to master this practice? And I don't know if, if, you know, we ever feel like a master at anything, but how did this come about for you, this journey that you've been on? Yeah, master is an interesting word. Her, Ted Berrigan, once they, they handed him his, um, his uh, diploma at the University of Tulsa, his master's of fine arts diploma. And he said, I am the master of no art. (laughs) And uh, I thought that was kind of great because how do we, yeah, I'm definitely not a master. Um, But on the journey with all of you and um, everyone else and just trying to make it, make a go of it here. um, How did I, sorry, what was the question? (laughs) I love it. We got distracted by the master and it is a good thing to think about, right? I think for everyone to kind of ponder that we sometimes have this idea that we want to be a master of something and then that's when we'll have enough credibility or that's when we'll have enough confidence to be able to do the thing that we all, that we want to do or let other people know or feel like we are an expert in some right. way. And how do we really yeah, define, yeah. how do we define like who's an, an expert? I've been thinking about this a lot lately when there's just so many people in the space of in every space, right? In the space, yeah, yeah, totally. in every single space, there are people who are claiming their space and saying mm-hmm. like, I am a leader in this. And for all of us, I think it's important to realize that so much of that is um, it's whatever you you make of it. It's whatever you want to think of it. <laughs> so we could get in a True. whole podcast about that. But for you, you've used writing as this tool to help yourself and other people to move towards their authentic self. So how did you yes. find that for yourself using writing in that way? Well, it's, yeah, a long journey. And um, I think that I think that, you know, what the way I would discuss or talk about mastery is really commitment, you know, and, and time, time devoted. I was going to say time served, but I I I think time devoted is really the important thing. I have this whole bit about devotion in my, in my book. And I think that's super important, you know, time, right. Maturing through all these different stages of development around whatever your craft is. And for me, it's just been this long, I don't know, almost 30 year journey of um, screwing up a lot and um, taking a lot of missteps and diversions along the way. And I'm in the midst of of, I'm in the midst of it still, you know, Um, but there has been consistency and there has been commitment and devotion. And, I, you know, it really came it was born out of. I don't know. Uh, you know I was going to say born out of uh, a little bit of desperation, like people who read my story. Um, you know, I wrote a whole memoir about surviving abuse and addiction at a young age and, um, you know, and winding up, you know, finding myself at age 22 
handcuffed to a hospital bed um, at Boulder Community Hospital, as a matter of fact, um, under arrest, had no idea how I got there. And um, and that was a, the low point of my life um, at an early age. And, and so I think the 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 survival was was one point of like, oh, I'm not going to get a, a second chance or a third chance for that matter. There were previous situations. Um, and so I, I was very lucky and and realized like, well, this is it. You know, this is the shot at life. Um, this is the opportunity to to show up and start devoting yourself and and to and to cut the crap, you know, mm-hmm. and, and to get connected with that authentic self. And and so I just, you know, I and, and writing poetry, art was always something that that had been I'd been surrounded by, but not thinking that I was someone who was capable of creating it in any meaningful way. Like I grew up in a household, thank my dear parents, who I give a lot of grief to <laughs> because of, you know, a whole host of issues around childhood and a certain amount of abandonment and addiction stuff and blah, blah, blah. But they did bring me up in a house with uh, lots of books and lots of attention to arts and architecture and dance and theater and all that stuff. And, you know, it took me a long time to realize it, but, but that had a huge influence. I always saw my mother with a book in her hand. Like she was never without a book and she was a great storyteller and a lot of fun at parties. And so I learned poetry from that. And, and, and I also learned um, a lot about just being um, sort of being real and, and showing up for the, the underdog. My dad was a huge uh, lefty who's borderline anarchist um, and has sort of anarchist roots. And he was a conscientious objector during World War II, which was unheard of. And and it was based on principle, you know, based on on um, thinking about the larger context of humanity and not just the privileged few. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, it sounds bit. like you grew up in a household with parents that were showing you that there was a, a way to be more expressive and not just fit in the fit inside a certain kind of mold. Mm-hmm. I'm curious with this idea of finding our authentic self, how much of that has to do with expression, being able to express mm. and whether that's through writing or another form of creative arts, but are they, are these two things really connected being authentic and being able to express? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I never thought of myself as um, being talented or or having, you know, I didn't have that self-esteem or that that sense of self. And um, and I think that, you know, if you want to bring in the the meditation piece here Um, and there's also there's a whole other story about. Um, doing time in a psychedelic therapy cult, which we can talk about. But that you did. That, you were in a psychedelic therapy cult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So not referring yeah. to what's happening now, where there's a psychedelic assisted therapy happening in in a positive way, but you ex- had a right. totally different experience with that. Uh, yeah, I use the word cult <laughs> in that um, it was therapeutic, and it was actually the the people who started this. This was in the early '90s, and. Um, and, and they were kind of on the forefront of pioneering what's become very mainstream now. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time, they did not hold boundaries well. There was a lot of impropriety. There was, and it wasn't microdosing; it was macrodosing, and there was some addictive behaviors manifesting and inappropriate sexuality, all kinds of stuff. And um, so, but um, through that, I did learn. Like, oh, wow, there's something else going on here in the universe. <laughs> there's something else going on here with me. I'm not just this little wounded boy. 
you know, that there's, there's a whole, and I'm not my story. You know, I started to learn that, like, that I'm not the story that I've created about my past and the limitations and the conditioning. And, um, and it was shortly after that, that I, I did find meditation and, and then started looking authentically inward, um, you know, with silence and with stillness and what's there when you connect with your true heart, like what happens to the story when you connect with your true heart. And then, you know, as I got into the first few times I went to a meditation class and workshop, it was with um, Jack Cornfield at Spirit Rock when it was barely just Spirit Rock. And um, and there was Jack Cornfield reading a lot of poetry. Mm-hmm. And so this this authenticity was woven in like the whole meditation journey, the awakening journey was woven in with poetry. It was woven in with creativity. And so that was kind of an aha moment for me and where I thought like, oh, okay. So this authentic, this reaching for the authentic self is also reaching for the creative self. Mm. It makes a lot of sense when you think about just our existence, not even as humans, but the existence of all things right now that out of, we could say out of nothing (laughs) becomes everything and it's just pure creation. Right. Mm -hmm. And so one might extrapolate that we are here to create. And if you were to look around and observe what we're doing, that is pretty much all we're doing. <laughs> we're creating left and right, where whether you're creating another life, you're being a parent or you're creating a business or you're you have you create an idea that just comes from out of nowhere or art. Right. And I think that that's something that I've had a lot of aha moments around because I've held myself back a lot with creation because I have been afraid that it's pointless. It's I'm going to fail at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are people who are better than me at it. And yep. then I just didn't even allow myself to create for that reason. And can you touch on that a little bit? Cause I'm sure that you hear that with people that you work with. Yes. All the time. And uh, you know, this, this phrase that one hears a lot, um, I'm not a creative person. <laughs> Well, then you're not human, right? Like to be human is to be creative. Like it may not look like what the society says is creative, right? Or what we're conditioned to believe is is creative. You know, we make all these associations around the arts um, in particular, which is one aspect of creativity. But there's creativity in, in everything. There's creativity in business. There's creativity in, in science and mathematics and physics and healthcare and teaching and firefighting and you name it, it's always there. So I think it's re um, orienting ourselves towards that, a a newer definition, like you say, of um, experience on ourselves as the, as the creative. And, you know, when you, when you talk about this, this, um, this notion that, Oh, I'm not, that creator, I'm going to fail, or that person's way better than me. Like these are all just very common conditioned thoughts that stream through our heads as human beings. And I think that's why I love the practice of meditation and, and conscious movement practices, because they help us enter into a larger context and realize that, Oh, that's just conditioning. You know, that's not who I am. That's not my limitations. That's just a story that has gotten embedded in my psyche and in some cases in in my viscera and that needs to be um, expunged (laughs) and it needs to be released. And the best way to release it is through through the actual practice, you know? So if you feel that inclination to dance, go dance, feel that inclination to paint, go paint, feel that inclination to write, go write, Um, start a business, whatever it is, you know, do it. And, and then if those, those uh, resistances keep coming up, then spend time in silence, you know, be in stillness, be with your breath. Um, connect in nature, in the non-human world, and allow that to inform a more broad conception of self. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's, we spoke uh, for a few minutes before we 
hit record on the podcast and I shared with you, that's pretty much how I ended up in Boulder. (laughs) I was needing to spend more time in nature, more time with myself in silence to find the answers that felt more felt true to me versus how much conditioning I'd been taking in for the last decade. (laughs) And when you have a lot of, I mean, conditioning even beyond that decade, right? Since we are in our infancy, we take in levels of conditioning and some of them, the conditioning we take when we're really young is much harder to, to push out. Um, Mm -hmm. But it doesn't take as long as it did to get in there, to get out. I'll say that from my own experience of sitting with myself and spending more time in meditation and in nature that pretty quickly we have this very innate sense of what to do and how to support ourselves and what's truly going to bring us more fulfillment. It doesn't take, if it took 10 years to get conditioned, it doesn't take 10 years to get out of conditioning. If that helps anybody. (laughs) Because sometimes it's like, oh God, it's going to take so long for me to like have this transformation. And I found that things move pretty quickly when you, when you let yourself, but for People that work with you. But that, can I, can oh I yeah, say something about please that? Go ahead. Because it, I think it does take uh, attention and effort. Oh, yeah. Right. And, and you think about like we're up against a lot these days with social media, advertising. Um, we're being bombarded constantly with um, all kinds of temptations um, and, and addictions that will distract us from showing up in that authentic creative self. So I think it does take. Um, it takes attention for sure. And, and a, a certain level of, of rigor, but the, the, the rewards are infinite. <laughs> the rewards are. Yeah. What, what are, are, what are the rewards that you, that you've experienced and that you see for people when they do this practice? Uh, well, the, the most immediate ones are, um, Freedom, ultimately, you know, freedom from a limited conception of self, um, de- access to deeper connection and in relationship, uh, deeper love experiences, um, creative expression, creative connection. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's what I've, you know, I mean, I've made a, a complete transformation over many years but you know there was a time where i just just hated my so bad like was just felt like it was the most worthless piece of nothingness that ever and just wanted you know was super committed to self-annihilation and you know now i'm i feel i'm i can participate that I, i can join in the conversation and that my voice can matter also. And that's huge for many of us. And so those are some of the rewards. I think on some level, whether it is to an extreme of self-hatred or to a more benign, well, I just think I suck or I'm not good right, enough, right? right? It's mm-hmm. There's a spectrum. But I think right. that that is what many of us are up against on a daily basis. Absolutely. And to have freedom from that sounds lovely. <laughs> that sounds it doesn't, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> so when you are doing your writing workshops, I'm curious what kind of practices that you do to help people kind of overcome you talk about compulsive, addictive behaviors, but everything is on that spectrum. Like I mentioned, it can be from a lower level of just, I just don't really like myself that much too. I am in a place where I am committing self-harm on a regular basis. So what are some of the practices, the writing practices that you have people do to get in touch with themselves? Uh, There's so many. But um, some of my favorites include, you know, stream of consciousness, kind of classic free writing exercises um, in which we're not, um, you know, we're not feeling obligated to 
um, to write anything that has to make any kind of sense, <laughs> right? Or that has to be good or bad, you know? Like I, I mean, the important thing for me whenever conducting a, a workshop is that the is that you are enough, that you are a, a creative genius. I have this whole ritual thing that we do on our retreats, you know, where everyone gets a, a bracelet that says, um, I am a creative, what's this one says? Yeah, this one says, I am a creative genius. And so we do this whole thing. And I know that sounds like absurd, right? Like, um, you know, we don't always feel like that. The, the word genius is pretty charged. And, but the, the, point is and the premise is that we are creative that we're inherently creative like if we go back to the very beginning of our conversation this afternoon that that's what we we're talking about like you can't be human and not be creative and so we begin there we begin with that premise um with that acceptance and with that love and so i'm just loving everybody up when they come to the workshop and you know in a very like respectful manner but i'm just showing up as fully as i possibly can and so hopefully that's a mirror to them and that's kind of a permissive experience that they're like okay i'm in a safe environment um i don't have to be right this doesn't have to be good um i can just tell the truth here and and i can and i can fail beautifully and what ends up happening is that people don't fail because there's no failing. There's no, there's just that writing, having access to your immediate truth. So we do these timed writings. There's some urgency. There's some energy there. Um, it's a quick prompt. We're not thinking from the neck up, but we're feeling from the heart in inward. And, and and so that we're we're looking to the body to express more than the head, because the head is where all the conditioning is kind of locked in there, right? And all the thinking about the self and thinking about capacities of what's possible creatively. Um, but the heart knows the truth. The heart speaks the truth. And so we practice writing from the heart and not so much writing from the head. And so free writing is one thing. We do movement exercises, conscious movement exercises. Um, we do, of course, meditation and silence exercises. Um, and these help us write from a, a deeper, more primal embodied place. What do you see as an end result that people can I, I don't like to use the word achieve there's no because we're mm -hmm. not trying to get right, to right. an end like an end result like I've achieved this thing right. from this workshop but what do you see that people receive rather from once they do this free writing it's, from their heart yeah it's surprise and it's enchantment for themselves mm. it's that but nothing more beautiful to me than seeing someone's face light up when they're like Oh, they read something that they wrote that they did not expect, that they did not recognize as their voice coming alive within them. That's incredible. That's beautiful. And that's what happens all the time in these workshops. And it's not because I'm such a great teacher, per se. I mean, I've been doing this for a long time, whatever. That's not the point. The point is that I'm just reminding people of their inherent creative genius and creating a space for them to express that. And then they take it from there. And it's just awesome. I mean, I've seen, you know, that's why I hate these academic blowhards who, who chortle on about like, oh, well, you can't teach a person to be a good writer. And, you know, you know, it's not about that. It's about celebrating everybody's inherent capacity for expression. And, and I've seen it over and over again from kids, you know, I've worked with second graders all the way up through um, 85 year olds and people consistently write beautiful, interesting, dynamic stuff. Does that mean they're going to go and, you know, have a New York times bestseller? Probably not, but that's not the point. Well, we can talk about that too, how the, a lot of that's rigged anyways. So <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it's not about that. It's about reconnecting with that authentic creative self, which is possible in an instant, in a moment. Mm, I love that. Do you use a prompt at all when somebody is doing free writing? Do you prompt them with a question and then they go from there? 
or I can imagine it might be difficult if, if someone's not had experience with this to be like, okay, and put your pen to paper and three, two, one, go. <laughs> right, right. No, no, I'm a big fan of prompts, uh, questions, uh, fill in the blank prompts. There's a million different little prompt um, things that, that we do. Um, you know, some other things we do, we do bodily prompt movement prompts, um, energetic prompts, um, you know, just not having, um, you know, it, it helps to kind of trick the conditioned mind out of it. You know, things like writing with your left hand, for example, um, you know, how different is that for you than, you know, writing with your prominent dominant hand, for example, um, uh, I love to interrupt during the, the free rights. So you're on a, a train of thought that you feel comfortable with, or you're in the crew with, and all of a sudden, you know, interruption, new image, new prompt to kind of jolt you out. We do all kinds of game, um, sort of word game stuff that gets us, that juxtaposes um, regular syntax and things like that, which helps us get out of our rut. You know, many people have been writing for years and not felt like they've written anything or they've been journaling for years and now they want to write a novel or they want to write an mm. essay or mm -hmm. something. And they have to kind of get out of their regular familiar voice. Yeah. Well, we're really <laughs> trained. The brain gets very trained in these kind of grooves, right? It's like yep. a train on the same tracks over and over again. Exactly. And I can imagine this being really powerful if you want to kind of jolt your brain into new ways of thinking and going on different tracks, which when are we ever really presented with that? If we're, if we're kind of doing the same thing over and over again, right. which, you know, we are, we're, we are very good at that. And it's part of how we get things done and we can have certain expectations of how things are going to turn out in our lives. But I don't know about you guys, but I feel sometimes bored, <laughs> like, right, you know, like right. bored of the same thoughts because mm -hmm. we repeat the same thoughts over and over again. And in order yeah. to get out of that, like, you, there needs to be some sort of jolt of change. And that's why traveling, I think, is that's I use traveling in that way a lot. It's yeah. really good for yeah, your yeah. brain. Well, and I'm learning all the time, too, from my students, which is really fun because then we're kind of vibing off of each other back and forth. So I have this, this a great little story here. I was teaching at the Esalen Institute here in California a bunch of years ago. And I had this whole thing around. This was one of my um, five or six day retreats. And I have everyone, you know, put your cell phones away. We're going cell phone free. And um, this is part of our guidelines for the week. And um, I had this one young woman who was just sort of like keeping herself on very close and not following directions. And um, being the grumpy Gus that I am, I'm like, hey, you know, what did I say about cell phones? <laughs> and um, she was like, oh, no, no, I'm just taking notes. And, um, and she's like, that's the best way. I don't really use a pen and notebook or anything like that. And I was like, mm, I don't know about that, but, you know, OK, I'll sort of let it be. And so then um, I was kind of like, you know, I still want you to put yourself on away, but. So then I, I, we went through our introductions and everything. And then I, uh, I offered up the first assignment and um, she was still on her phone and it looked like she was texting, you know, and just kind of being distracted. But she's like, no, no, I swear I'm, I'm, this, I'm writing. This is how I write. And uh, I was like, mm, okay. I was totally skeptical. Right? Sure. <laughs> and, uh, and so then it comes time to, um, to share, uh, we had like a writing period of about half hour or something. And then I always like to offer some time for people to share their work about like whether they want to share the work itself or whether they just want to share about the process and experience. And um, so her hand shot up and she started reading from her phone. And we were all just like, what? <laughs> she was just totally blown away. Like the work was just really powerful, really amazing, just like poetry from the heart, from the soul. And it was so interesting to me to, um, first of all, stand corrected. And also to, to hear her describe how, because she was so, you know, being a digital native, growing up with a cell phone, 
she was able, and she's so fast. She was so fast with her thumbs and, you know, on the little keyboard that she was able to outpace her critical self-denying mind. And so she went straight for the, for the heart of the matter and what she really wanted to say. And it was just such a cool way of, of, well, first of all, experience writing, because I don't ever write on my phone. Um, and, and just understanding like, yeah, this is, this is such a sort of 21st century version of updated version of the free write. And what the whole point is, is to outpace that critical mind and to, and to write straight from the heart. So it doesn't matter what tools you're using, whatever works for you. Yeah. I would have been quick to judge and say, no, you have to do it this way. You have to like, (laughs) we're going back to pen on paper. I'm the teacher. (laughs) Listen to me. I'm the authority. But That's a really great point is that it doesn't matter how it gets done. And if you're going to do it, if that's the way that works for you, then let it happen. Because I, we, we get kind of stuck, like I was saying earlier, and I want to do it right. Mm -hmm. This is the right way. And if I'm not going to do it perfectly, then I'm just not going to do it at all. And if perfect means I need to buy the leather bound journal and the felt pen, and I need to sit in, you know, in nature and let this happen, then when is it ever going to happen? When are we ever going to let ourselves really experience it? Now, granted, she did have some discipline around this, right? And so she wasn't like getting distracted and, you know, checking the internet and looking at her texts or whatever. She really was able to stay focused and and use this as a tool for for her expression. But yeah, it doesn't matter how you do it. If you want to run around in circles and speak your poems into your phone, Awesome. Rock on. Make it happen. Yeah. I'm, I'm there to support you. I have been awakened. <laughs> How important is it going back to that original question to express our inner feelings and thoughts somehow, some way, whether it's through our body's movement, writing, talking? How important is that in the human experience to let that out? Oh, God, it's crucial. I mean, look at the monsters who don't and who are running the country, (laughs) you know? You don't think they're a dear diary at the end of the night? (laughs) No, they definitely do not. They're not, they're not reading. They're not critically thinking. They're not exploring the meaning of life and considering um, compassionate approaches to blah, blah, blah. Um, so I think it's essential, you know, I think it's essential to human development and I don't, I can't cite them off the top of my head, but I'm sure there's millions of studies about, um, the essential nature and importance of, of, um, of creativity, uh, in, in all its forms, you know, whether that's through movement and dance, whether it's through painting arts, um, for psychological, healthy psychological development. And so if you don't have that in your life, I mean, I think it's, it's, it can be, yeah, it can be destructive. It can be self-destructive. And then that any sort of self-destruction always has some kind of an effect on the external world and the people around you, depending, you know, at your level of, mm-hmm. of um, engagement with the world. Yeah. You know? I'm a big fan of therapeutic approaches that have art uh involved and i did traditional therapy for many many years which i think works for a lot of people but i found myself Mm -hmm. kind of stuck in a rut with that that i wasn't really getting much beyond okay i've identified my story Mm -hmm. but i wasn't getting much beyond the healing aspect of okay these fragmented parts of myself have now come back together and i feel like a whole as whole as i can be in this moment until I experienced this incredible art therapist about mm. 10 years ago or so. Shout out Bob. He has retired. He lives on a lake and just <laughs> spends his time doing art now. Um, yeah. But he did imagery therapy, which mm-hmm. was so incredible. And that really got my wheels turning and how we can be more creative and how we heal. And um, for those of you who might not know what that is, it's really just letting your imagination run wild with you, getting out of that analytical mind like we're talking about 
and kind of just closing your eyes, going inward and seeing what arises, what images, what pictures in your mind is it kind of like when we have a dream, we don't really know what we're going to dream about. We're surprised in the morning, like, Oh, wow, that was really weird. (laughs) What was that all about? Right. And then going on the journey from there of kind of interacting with these images and just having conversation with the images that you're seeing and the healing that came out of that and the things that would arise and the childhood memories that would come through. It was profound. I'm like, how does this happen? (laughs) You know, when we get out of our, of that analytical thinking mind and we go into this, the subconscious and the creative. So yeah, yeah, I just want to say like, that's, (laughs) I've had that experience for so continuously having that experience when I do work like this. And it's, I think way more fun than just kind of talking about (laughs) what happened, what has happened to us or, you know, (laughs) absolutely. Yeah. Telling the story to let go of the story, you know, is, is where the, the writing piece of it comes into, but yeah, I mean, it's undeniable the, the power, the healing power of writing, uh, of, of dance, of, of painting, um, and yeah, because it just just the whole process opens you up to a, um, a different level of dynamism, dynamism and integration with the world and with the universe. Yeah. So. You talk about helping people with uh, compulsive and addictive behaviors. Can you share a little bit more about your experience in that and your unique experience with that? It sounds like. And how you were able to overcome that for yourself or help other people overcome that. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, on some level I was saved by poetry, you know, that was a, that was my sort of healing journey. Not too long after I got sober, I had been studying photography for, for a few years and so maybe first photography saved me <laughs> at a certain level, but then it was the poetry and actually being, there's something about the oral tradition and finding one's voice, right? Like being able to claim one's sense of self after, um, in my case, a lot of self-denial and self-annihilation, uh, being able to, to vocalize some kind of truth, some kind of reflection of the world. Um, was incredibly powerful for me. And, and I don't know how much I recognized that as, as healing necessarily at the time. I mean, I was, um, I was kind of, I was embroiled in, in a lot of the, the artiness of it. You know, I was part of an experimental poetry world in San Francisco and New York at, at that time. And yet I was meditating and, um, but I was writing a fair amount of abstract work. And, but when I look back on that work as abstract as it was, it had this musicality, it had embodied resonance and things were said, you know, things, truths were told. And, and so not to sort of self-deny, but I, I, I do think that it, that it helps with, it helps channel that energy of compulsion or that energy of addiction that's one aspect of it um it's also you know being able to i mean why are we addicted or you know expressing compulsive behaviors around anything it's because there's some emotional component maybe missing um and that that writing into it, it can give us consciousness it can give us awareness of that and and give us kind of ways to channel those energies and, and, and to reconceive of, of more expansive levels of self. What other kinds of activities are happening in your, when you're doing workshops, you mentioned free writing, meditation and movement is there and sharing is there, are there any, out of all of those things, it's probably hard to, to choose, but where do you see the biggest breakthroughs happening when you're in a group <laughs> setting? Uh, I love doing kind of energy movement 
exercises and practices, um, kind of integrating sort of Qigong type energy movement stuff um, and standing meditation exercises, um, body scans, these kinds of things that, that release some of the, the tensions and the pent up energies of the body and, and invite, you know, inviting people to, to bring another level of energy through their bodies um, and then giving language to that, um, you know, sort of um, inviting them to, to give language to that experience and that other worldly level of communication. Uh, that's, I think, some of the most powerful stuff. That's when the, the tears really start to show up, mm-hmm. you know, and, when and you- often that's after a, a couple of days, a few days of, of sitting and being in silence and being in stillness, you know, after we're, we're letting our nervous systems settle down and let go. And that's, you know, and that's when the authenticity shows up, right? Where we're getting real. Yeah, it's like the pressure valve has released and the guards can drop and you can actually be with yourself, which is rare for (laughs) for a lot of people to to really identify with themselves and not with who they're just showing up as every day in as their roles that they play. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in a traditional writing workshop, you can stay pretty immersed in ideas, you know, and you can stay pretty like disembodied and, and not that there's anything wrong with, with that and with ideas and with cultivating cool and interesting ideas. I mean, I'm all for it, Mm -hmm. but you do miss out on a a different level of kind of authentic embodiment, uh, which is why I love doing these, these these kinds of energetic exercises and movement exercises because it it does get at that those other levels of consciousness those subconscious levels which is where the the juicy stuff is I think mm-hmm. absolutely what do you have coming up that you're really excited about with workshops well yes speaking of movement we have a uh, here in Northern California I'm finally doing uh, a live. Uh, in-person event. Has um, that been with first a couple, couple of years? In the, years. In the, okay. Yeah. Three yeah. years. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So this will be in um, Northern California. It's a, a full day long retreat at the famous Green Gulch Zen Center, uh, just North of San Francisco. It's a yoga and writing retreat uh, in collaboration with a, a, a place in Berkeley called Yoga Kula. And um, so I won't be guiding the yoga piece. Um, that'll be Saraswati Claire. and but I will be doing the writing piece and the meditation piece. And um, it's going to be an awesome collaborative day and some really just spectacular spaces on the California coast. Sounds <laughs> so amazing. That sounds yeah. really lovely for anybody who's out in the Northern California. Go for me. <laughs> I was saying that I'm going to probably be there the, the following week. I'm like, ah, oh, just one week too late to, to do this. But um Sometimes those workshops are so are really needed because like I was saying, we put things off. Like we know that could be a really amazing experience for us and it'll be really cool. Mm -hmm. But to do that on your own and give yourself your own little retreat, it's a challenge sometimes. So I find going to day long retreats or workshops, it gets you out of your normal routine. So it's a really And you deserve it. Yeah. You, the, the large you yes. out there in the <laughs> the radio sphere. Yeah, we. I think you're right. We many of us do deny it, and um, I think it's yeah. I mean, it's gifting to your to yourself. Yeah. Why do we deny ourselves the things that I mean? This is this is a loaded question, but denying <laughs> ourselves the things that we know would be so good for us and useful and supportive. And I think it goes back to the whole idea of our brains on the same track mm-hmm. and we've got it. Right. We have to pattern interrupt and the best way to pattern yeah. interrupt is to, to just like just show up for something that you ha- have never done before and just, you know, take yourself out of your, your comfort zone in some way. And it just comes back to you tenfold and just get so many things just like working, you know, like, Totally. Last weekend, I did a um, Olympic weightlifting workshop 
and I have no, and I have no, uh, I don't think I have an interest in competing in Olympic weightlifting, but I had an interest in the sport of it and just learning it. It's not one of those things that you can kind of just watch a YouTube and you really have to work with an Olympian, someone who has done that before. And mm-hmm. I don't know, it just was such a cool experience being in a different world and atmosphere for the weekend, got my brain like turning, got me excited about learning a new skill. And I've just been jazzed up the whole week since doing that. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's great. Courage and curiosity, you know, two of the most underrated, um, I think, spiritual tenets. And uh, yeah, and trying those new things because it does rewire your brain, you know, and it rewires your emotions and challenges you to show up in kind of a, a different and unique way. Yeah, I always, we, my husband and I, we try to do that even for our relationship. Like let's mm-hmm. do something completely out of our norm that we wouldn't like why we, we go into the same restaurant 20 times. You know? mm-hmm. It's like, well, because yeah, yeah. we, we like it. We, and we, and we order the same dish and it's like, mm-hmm. okay, but we should definitely mix it up. It's important to, it, to have those like little nuances in life. They get your, they get you excited and they get you more passionate about just being alive and having this experience. And you also work with people who can't be with you in person. How can the listeners work with you uh, from all over? Yeah. So the website um, you can, I've got a regular, like I have a upcoming fall meditation and writing series happening in starting in October. Um, I do some one-on-one coaching with people who are interested in, in creating book projects. Um, and happy to offer your listeners a free 30 minute strategy session on any aspect of writing or publishing or editing. So we're going to link that in the show notes for everyone, um, to get that free strategy call. Okay. I have a random question. Is it some kind of rhetorical, but is it silly to want to write a book about your own life? I thought so until I wrote one, (laughs) you know, and uh, it was a little bit of a thought experiment, right? To, you know, it seems totally self-indulgent on a certain level. And then I, you know, I had to remind myself, oh yeah, I got a lot out of reading Augustine Burroughs, you know, who wrote about his, you know, I don't know if you me read too. Running with Scissors. Or, yes, that was, I, you just reminded me of, as a teenager, for me, like, I also had a very rough go at it early childhood. Mm-hmm. And when I was 20, I had my moment of being like, I can't do this shit anymore. I need to mm-hmm. like, and those books just felt like someone gets it. Someone sees me, you know? Absolutely. So, you know, or, I mean, pick your memoirist, Um, you know, Cheryl Strayed certainly did it for me. Um, There's so many others, but, you know, it's that kind of that authentic um, permissioning for lack of a better term, not that like they're giving you permission, like, okay, you officially now have permission. No, it's more like, oh, right. I can do that. Like my story matters too. You know, Augustine Burroughs was a funny nobody. It's just like you and I, Cheryl Strait was a funny nobody, just like you and I, you know, we think of them as these kind of, you know, monoliths of the writing world because of the, the attention and so forth. But it's really that they showed up and they, they, they surrendered to the story and and they allowed themselves courage and curiosity to go forth and tell the truth about their own experience. And um, and that's really an amazing and liberating experience. But I always encourage people to just write it for yourself first, you know, tell your story to let go of the story for you and see where it takes you and see if it's at some point appropriate to make to go public, to make it a public document. Mm-hmm. Maybe it isn't. And that's totally okay too. Mm-hmm. You've probably learned a lot in that journey of really going deep into your own story. Last question. Thoughts on ghostwriters. Ah, ghostwriters. Um, gee whiz. You know, I, I it's 
it's just a thing. It's just a way. It's, it's just another tool. Mm-hmm. I think not everybody is destined to to write their own story. Um, you know, there's a famous. Um, I mean, there's lots of famous instances of people who didn't write their own stories. But I always think of uh, uh, Agassi, the tennis player, Andre Agassi. Um, and his story was written by this terrific memoirist whose name is totally going to escape me right now, who wrote The um, the Tender Bar. I don't know if you ever read that, but it's a fantastic um, book about this kid who came of age in a bar in Long Island. And um, and so he ghost wrote, or I don't know if he ghost wrote officially or if it was a collaboration or or how you would describe it, but it's just, it's a way to get the story out. You know, obviously he's a tennis player. He's not a writer. Yeah. And so it's totally, not all of us have that skill or that endurance. Level. Yeah, I so think I that's think it's just great acknowledgement. Tool. And it's a cathartic thing, whether you write it yourself or whether you'd, you are going to just be more auditory about or not exactly you know any way you want to to share if you want to yes 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 (laughs) um i think that doesn't matter because i thought about this for myself i have a fantasy that i will have a book and then like what but i have no skills as a professional writer doesn't mean that i can't have somebody support me in writing this or give it a go or give it a go. Yes. (laughs) I'm here for you. There we go. Yeah. We want your story out in the world. I love it. I think that it, and again, it's not to be self-indulgent. I think if there's healing on multiple levels, there'd be healing in it for myself in Mm -hmm. talking about it and, and writing it out. And I think that there, it could help a lot of people in what I've had experiences with and, how I've navigated those experiences and seeing yourself in another person gives us so much more permission sometimes mm-hmm. to, yes. to be okay with, with what's happened in our lives. So, That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, Albert, thank you so much for coming on to the show. This was a wonderful conversation and uh, we will link everything in the show notes so that you can uh, get more of Albert. Hopefully if you're in that San Francisco area, you can go to that day long retreat. That sounds absolutely incredible. And thank you so much. Thank you, Juliet. Total delight.